0: There's a good reason haughty eyes are at the top of the list of six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Pride goes before destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. This was what led to King Nebuchadnezzar's Humpty Dumpty-like fall. One starry night, he looked out over his balcony and said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence? by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still on the king's lips when the Lord inflicted him with insanity. A good reminder that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now.
1: God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Hello, welcome to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm Brian Davis. Whether you're listening on radio, on your mobile device, or online at somethinggoodradio.org, thanks so much for stopping by. We serve a merciful, patient, and loving God, a Father who always gives us ample time to repent. But when pride persists, A fall is inevitable. Stay with us now as Ron continues his series, Standing Strong. Or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Daniel chapter 4, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message. Heaven rules.
0: In our lifetime, Chuck Colson is probably without question one of the most uh, notorious converts to Jesus Christ. Uh, Until his death in April of 2012, Colson served as the founder and as the uh, board chairman for a ministry called Prison Fellowship. You may be familiar with this international ministry that reaches out to prisoners, -prisoners, ex-prisoners, victims of crime, and their families. Uh, Colson founded that ministry, he started that ministry, and then um, uh, he passed away uh, rather recently. He didn't always care for hurting people. In fact, there was a time in Colson's life when he cared more about putting the hurt on people politically. A portion of his biography from the Prison Fellowship reads as follows. More than 30 years ago, Charles W. Colson was not thinking about reaching out to prisoners inmates or reforming the uh, U.S. penal system. In fact, this aid to President Richard Nixon was incapable of humanitarian thought according to the media of the mid-1970s. Colson was known as the White House Hatchet Man a man feared by even the most powerful politicos during his four years of service to President Nixon. When news of Colson's conversion to Christianity leaked to the press in 1973, the Boston Globe reported, if Mr. Colson can repent of his sins, there just has to be hope for everybody. Colson would agree. He admits he was guilty of political dirty tricks and willing to do almost anything for the cause of his president and his party. Colson served about seven months in prison for his involvement in the Watergate political scandal that eventually led to the resignation of uh, President Richard Nixon. But just as he was entering prison, somebody introduced Charles Colson to Jesus Christ, and he said he was born again. He wrote a book by that title. A lot of people were skeptical, just as they were skeptical of the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago when this terrorist in the first century said he was now a follower of Jesus, people were skeptical of Colson. But his life since then uh, proved that his conversion to Christianity was real. He learned a very difficult lesson, albeit the hard way, and that lesson can be summarized in two words, heaven rules. And every member of um, the Nixon administration, including Nixon himself and Colson, learned the lessons of of pride and arrogance run amok the hard way. Proud people rarely see how vulnerable they are or how close they are to a fall. Uh, Pride is like kryptonite. It's like kryptonite to a faith that would otherwise stand strong. And uh, that's true in your life and in my life even as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, we're in a study of the book of Daniel, and uh, even though Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are the main characters of this story, the sub-story up to this point has been about a king named Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the reigning monarch of the Babylonian Empire, you know, 25, almost 26 hundred years ago. And before we get to Daniel chapter 4, I I want us to uh, just stop off in a couple places in the Scripture as reminders of what the Bible says about pride. Today's lesson, titled Heaven Rules, is a lesson about the dangers of pride, that God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 16 and 17 says this, there are six things that the Lord hates. Well, that'll get your attention seven that are an abomination to Him. Wouldn't you like to know what those six or seven things are? Well, at the top of the list are haughty eyes, pride. God hates pride. Proverbs 16 and verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6 is good for us to remember. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you at the proper time. It's always good to humble yourself so God doesn't have to. And we're encouraged to do that, to humble ourselves. Uh, The lesson that King Nebuchadnezzar learned is summarized in verse 37 where he learned that those who walk in pride, and Nebuchadnezzar was a prideful, boastful, bombastic king. Those who walk in pride, Nebuchadnezzar learned, God is able to humble. Now, let's go to Daniel chapter 4, and let's review where we've been up to this point. Again, we're studying the book of Daniel. We've been in Daniel chapters 1, 2, and 3. The main story is about how these uh, Hebrew captives were taken captive by the Babylonians in 605 BC when the Babylonians besieged the city of Jerusalem and took with them the best and the brightest among the Hebrews, the young people who were uh, the achievers and had the most potential. Among them were Daniel and his three friends who were later given Babylonian names, Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we know them by those names. Uh, we know Daniel, of course, uh, by Daniel. But the sub-story, again, is about King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who is a prototype, we learned last week, of the Antichrist to come. You go all the way to the end of the age in Bible prophecy and to the book of Revelation and to the tribulation period. Well, you, you, this is a foreshadowing of that. But Nebuchadnezzar was a real man and a real king and, a, and, a, and a, of a real empire. Uh, 26 centuries ago, and the hound of heaven, God himself, was after this king. Uh, The first time that Nebuchadnezzar gets some indication of the one true God of Israel was when he took captive these three youths. And Daniel, the Bible says, uh, resolved not to defile himself at the king's table. Remember that in chapter 1? And we say, oh, way to go Daniel, dare to be a Daniel. He drew a line in the sand and he says, I'm not going to compromise my faith. I'm going to stand strong here. That was the king's first indication there was something different about these guys. In chapter 2, the king has a dream, a dream that frightens him. He calls all of his wise guys together, the sum total of the best of human wisdom. These guys fail them. They can't tell him what he dreamed or the interpretation of the dream. But Daniel can, and Daniel uh, interprets the king's dream, and it was a terrifying dream because it, it, it told the king that his empire would soon fail. And what we see now is ancient history. Back then with Daniel, it was prophecy from the time of the Babylonian Empire through the major world empires that we now read about in the history books but that was predictive prophecy in Daniel's time, from the Babylonian Empire to the empire of the Medes and the Persians, followed by the Grecian Empire, followed by the Roman Empire, which is now fallen, and even a foreshadowing of the revived Roman Empire at the end of the age, which we still wait for in Bible prophecy and we wait for in faith, and then ultimately the return of Jesus Christ as He sets up His millennial king… millennial kingdom and rule on this earth. That was foreshadowed in the king's dream, And the king comes to the end of chapter 2 and he's amazed and he he extols the God of Daniel. You almost think the king got saved that day. But in chapter 3, probably two decades later, we're going to guess, the king erects an image to himself and calls upon all of his people to worship the image that points to him. And we realize that King Nebuchadnezzar's heart is still not converted. He's still full of himself. He's a prideful, boastful, ruthless king. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is chapter 3. These young youths are thrown into the fiery furnace. The fourth man in the fire, a pre-incarnate picture of Jesus Christ appears. And again, the king is amazed. Daniel and Shadrach and all these guys, your God is amazing. But even years later, the king's heart is still not converted, but the hound of heaven is after him. You may try to put God off and put him off and keep him at a distance and say, no, I'm not going to come to faith in Christ. God will never give up on you. And praise God, he won't. He is like the hound of heaven. And in chapter 4, he comes after this king one more time, this prideful, Boastful king, and teaches Nebuchadnezzar that those who walk in pride, God is able to humble.
1: Still ahead, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' Something Good Radio message, Heaven Rules. Need prayer today? Visit somethinggoodradio.org and share your request with us anytime so that our ministry team can join you in prayer. And while you're there, be sure to check out our online store for a host of great resources. Again, that web address is somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, be sure to check out Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps, a free online discipleship coaching experience created by Dr. Ron Jones. That Starting Point, a Something Good online course where you'll discover what it means to be a disciple and learn how to train others to be true followers of Christ. Well, he was a lover of self who became a lover of God, but not before the Lord had to take drastic measures. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Heaven Rules.
0: Let's pick it up in uh, verse one. I call this the preamble. You'll understand why in a moment. King Nebuchadnezzar, to all peoples, nations, languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are His signs! How mighty are His wonders! His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominance endures from generation to generation. Now, if Nebuchadnezzar were a theology student, he'd get an A+. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? Here's what you need to know about Daniel chapter 4. It was written by Nebuchadnezzar himself. Most Bible teachers and scholars see chapter 4 as really a state document that was in the possession of the Babylonians. Daniel got a hold of it, but this was written by Nebuchadnezzar almost as a personal testimony to what God did in his life and to how God taught him that those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. And this is a summary of what King Nebuchadnezzar learned and the conclusion to which he comes and we would applaud him for all of this and it is an indication that perhaps this time his heart was converted basically Nebuchadnezzar is saying after all these things that and ways that God is trying to get my attention I finally get it his kingdom not mine endures heaven rules heaven rules up to that time Nebuchadnezzar is so full of himself and he looks in the mirror and has others look at him and say, Worship me, and look what I've done, and look how great of a king I am. No, he learns the hard way. Heaven rules. And he learns this through a second dream that we read about, beginning in verse 4 I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and prospering in my palace. Beware the, the prosperous years, friends. You learn a lot through adversity. But prosperity has a way of blinding you. Nebuchadnezzar had prospered in his palace and he says, "'I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me.'" Again, he's sleepless in Babylon and he's frightened by a dream. "'So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers came in, and I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation." King Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. It frightens him, and his default is to go back to his own old ways, to to bring together the wise guys of Babylon, you know, the sum total of the best that human wisdom could offer the astrologers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, to put it in our terminology today, he picks up the psychic hotline. You know, he reads the horoscope page. He's looking for answers, for somebody to interpret his dream. Now, this time he doesn't say, you need to tell me what I dreamed, and then later the interpretation. He just gathers these guys together and says, tell me the interpretation. I'm desperate here. I'm bothered by this dream. And like the sum total of all human wisdom eventually does, it fails Nebuchadnezzar. They can't even interpret the dream. And so what does he do? He reaches out to his friend Daniel. Verse 6, at last Daniel came in before me. He who was named Belshazzar after the name of my God. He, He still calls Daniel by his pagan Babylonian name. And he says and in whom is the Spirit of the holy gods." Now, here's where I want to pause and just say this. Nebuchadnezzar was still um, pursuing and still deep in what we would call pluralism. He didn't care what God you served as long as your God could help him. At first, he reaches out to the enchanters and the astrologers thinking, hey, maybe, maybe these guys can help me. They failed me. Oh, let's go to Daniel over here. He seems like a real spiritual person. He has the spirit of the holy gods in him. Uh, sounds like an Oprah show, you know, where she just parades all of these spiritual people. You know, you seem real spiritual, like you have a connection to God, and may- maybe you have an answer for me. Verse 9, O Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw and their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed were these I saw and behold, and here he goes on to tell the dream, a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong, and its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful, and its fruit abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the heaven lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. He goes on to say, I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed, and behold, a watcher, a holy one, came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, "'Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, "'strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. "'Let the beasts flee from under it "'and the birds from its branches, "'but leave the stump of its roots in the tree, "'bound with a band of iron and bronze "'amid the tender grass of the field. "'Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. "'Let his portion be with the beasts "'of the grass of the earth. "'Let his mind be changed from a man's "'and let a beast's mind be given to him.'" and let seven periods of time pass over him. Well, what, a, what a daunting dream. Verse 17, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end, now listen to this, that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over it the lowliest of men. There's a lesson to be learned here, Nebuchadnezzar, that heaven rules. You're not all that. You didn't build this because you're some hoity-hoity. No, heaven rules. And I'm tired of you walking around taking all the credit for this. I'm paraphrasing. Verse 18, this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw, and you, O Belshazzar, tell me the interpretation Because all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the Spirit of the holy gods is in you." You ever had somebody come up to you and say, you know, you seem like a real spiritual person. Can you help me? But it doesn't indicate that they're really a God follower or have a converted heart. They're just looking for something. We live in a very pluralistic culture if you haven't already figured that out. You can talk about spiritual things and have a conversation, and that's just fine. But the minute you go from pluralism to the specificity of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, oh, that's where the conversation goes off the rails. Okay to be spiritual. I'm okay, you're okay. Whatever works for you works for you. Whatever God works for me works for me. That was King Nebuchadnezzar in his Babylonian pagan culture, which is not far, you know, from the culture in which we live where we're very, very pluralistic. Well, we go from the king's second dream here now to Daniel's interpretation, and we pick it up in verse 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, again, his Babylonian name, he was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him, and the king answered and said, Belshazzar let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. And Belshazzar answered and said, my Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. In other words, King, this is not good and it's not gonna go well for you. You you may wish this to happen to your enemies, but this, this is not good. Verse 20, the tree you saw which grew and became strong so that its top reached the heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and in which was food for all, under which beasts of the field found shade and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O King.
1: You're listening to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, Heaven Rules, is part of Ron's series, Standing Strong. Look for it under the resource tab at somethinggoodradio.org. That's Standing Strong, a teaching series from Dr. Ron Jones that explores the eight miracles of Christ found in the Gospel of John and what they mean for us today. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Della Rosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where He shed His blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. All of us here at Something Good Radio hope you can join us on our upcoming trip to the Holy Land. Visit somethinggoodradio.org for more information or to reserve your spot today something good radio exists because of the faithful prayer and financial support from friends and listeners like you that's how ron stays on the air all year round sharing the good news of the gospel in a world in which bad news is all too common when you give a gift this month ron will say thank you by giving you the audio download of the teaching series you're hearing now standing strong that's standing strong Request your download of all seven messages in the series today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to PO Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099.
0: I call these heavens unbreakable rules And I've already alluded to them, number one, pride goes before a fall, it just does. Pride goes before a fall as much as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. You can just count on it. That is one of heaven's unbreakable rules. Likewise, God gives grace to the humble. It's almost like two sides of the same coin. You choose which side of the coin you want to look at and which side of the coin you want to be a part of your life. Pride goes before a fall, but, oh,
1: God gives grace to the humble. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Heaven Rules. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and all of us here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.